Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. How are we today? We doing okay? We good? If you aren't in the room and you're joining us online, the people in the room need to wake up this morning. We're glad that you're here on this spring break edition of Generations Church. I know that there are a number of our families that have been traveling this week. This is spring break here in Cherokee County, and so many families jetted off to the beach last week right after Easter Sunday. Some of them came to our Easter Wednesday service the Wednesday night before, and uh, I know that because I got the statistics people that they gave to me that we had uh, several new people tuning in on our Generations Church online last week uh, on Easter Sunday from Florida. So we either need to open a Florida campus or we just had some folks visiting Florida for spring break. But no, we're glad that you're here in the room. We're glad for those that are watching online today. Maybe you're traveling back, you're watching in the car, but wherever you're joining us from today, and however you chose to make this a priority today, let me just say thank you so much. It was a great week last week. We had a fantastic Easter week. Uh, We met together on Wednesday. We met together on Friday. We met together on Sunday. And numbers don't tell all the story. They just tell a portion of the story. But last week, we had almost 500 people gather together in person to celebrate with us across our various services. And we had others, hundreds more, joining us online. The most important number as it relates to our in-house kind of church numbers, the people that served, we had 83 different people serving those that gathered together. And so I'm thankful for that. And then just countless lives changed. People made decisions for Jesus Christ, uh, which is why we exist. And so again, I'm just thankful to God for what he did last week as we celebrated Easter together. And you know what? Even though it's not Easter Sunday, we still celebrate Easter. We still celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ because we believe what we said last week, that Easter is not just an event, it's a person. And so we all have access to the power of Jesus Christ. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and I if we're followers of Jesus Christ. So I'm thankful for that. Uh, Last week, the, the kids had a great time too. They had a blast. There was a lot of things that they were able to do. And let me just say by way of kind of announcement, we opened our registration this past week for our youth camp, our summer youth camp, for our grade schoolers, middle schoolers, and high schoolers. And you are probably not eligible to go to camp if you think this graphic is too bright, okay? So if you think it's too bright, it's probably not for you. Camp's probably not for you. But uh, for our grade schoolers, middle schoolers, and high schoolers, we do a summer youth camp every single summer. Registration opened this past week, and the price is the lowest that it will ever be for the next three weeks. So we encourage you to go and get your kids registered through our website. Go to g.church, click events. You can register register for camp. And then like, again, the price goes up, not because we're trying to be mean, but because the people that host the camp for us, their price goes up in about three weeks. So we want you to get registered for that. And then last thing I'll say is, speaking of G Kids and our family ministries, your kids, if they are upstairs today, are meeting our new G Kids director, Brittany Rogers. We're really excited about her joining our team and they're going to love Miss Brittany. They're having donuts with Miss Brittany today. So your kids will be hopped up on sugar when we give them back to you in just a little bit. Uh, but it's going to be a great, great thing in our ministry there. And we're excited about that. Today, we are kicking off a new series called Baggage. And when I was thinking about baggage, I was thinking about the airport, and I was thinking about uh, flying, and I haven't been flying as much over the last 12 months or so uh, as I have been in recent years. 
But I was thinking about, and, and maybe this is just me, I was thinking about like that scene from Home Alone where the entire family's like running through the airport. I've had to run through some airports a few times in my life. Uh, not, not a ton, but a few times I've had to run because I was a little late uh, for a flight or maybe a connecting flight was late. Uh, I, I don't mind telling on us, Corey and I one time missed a flight in Atlanta, in our hometown, going somewhere else, uh, but we blamed traffic and we blamed security and it was all of those things. But usually when you miss a flight, you miss a flight like because you overslept or you miss a flight because the connecting flight was late landing. We just missed it because we were kind of fighting people, kind of getting to it. So we were sprinting as fast as we could through the airport. And I was thinking about dragging my suitcase. I'm so thankful for wheels now and all the different things that they do to try to make it easier. But I was, I was holding this suitcase and running with it and I had a bag on my back and a bag across this shoulder and I was running through the airport trying my best to make the flight. And as I've been thinking about where we're going to spend our time over the next few weeks, I was thinking about this idea that we all are headed somewhere. Now, I don't know where you're headed in life. I don't know what you're trusting God for, believing God for, attempting to accomplish in your own life, in your own power and in your own strength. But here's what I believe beyond any shadow of a doubt, even if you don't believe it. I believe that God has plans for your life. I believe that God has great things in store for you. And I, and I said it just a second ago, but I'll just reiterate it one more time. Even if you don't believe that about yourself, even if you don't believe that about God for your life, I believe it on your behalf. I've got enough faith to believe that God does has a, has a plan and a future and a hope for your life as you progress and move through life with him. Now, that doesn't just mean that everything's pie in the sky and everything's going to be grand and great and you're never going to have obstacles and you're never going to face adversity. But I do believe that as we trust God and as we put our hope and our strength in God and what we say around here is that it's not about perfection, but it's about pursuit God's not calling you to perfection, which we're going to spend some time in in the next few minutes today, but it's about which way is my arrow pointed? Is my arrow pointed in pursuit of God and in more of God, or is my arrow pointed away from God, where I've intentionally chosen to live a life that's contrary to the Word of God, to the things that God has instructed us to do as we live in the earth. And so what I believe is that God has a plan for your life. God has great things in store for you. And so as we're thinking about taking a trip, as we're thinking about moving forward in the direction of, of our arrow pointed towards God and accomplishing all the things that God may have destined for our lives, we got to carry some stuff with us. And what I want you to know over these three weeks is that you have to choose what things you carry into your future. I was thinking about this over the last couple of weeks, and I ran across this picture this, uh, on, on social media, and I thought this was great. This kind of describes so many of us on trips. You can throw this picture up for us, guys. It says, me regularly uses the same three things at home all the time. Me packing for vacation, wondering if I'll need four French horns or five. So here's what my daughter, who's nine, tells me when we're packing for a trip, because she takes like 1,100 bags for like an overnight stay. And I'll say, Kinley, like, you don't, you don't wear that many shoes in a month at home. She's like, Dad, you just never know what you're going to Need, right? At nine, she's already gotten that idea in her mind. Maybe she got that from her mother, who I've known since she was 13. And uh, Corey and I have been on a lot of trips together. I've never actually seen her pack in a way that she could actually zip the cosmetic bag. Like she packs amazing in a suitcase. Like we've went on a seven-day cruise. She got everything she needed for the seven-day cruise in one suitcase. It was unbelievable. It was a miracle of God. It was like walking across on dry land. It was amazing to watch it happen. She's an unbelievable packer. But anytime she can, that cosmetic bag stays unzipped so we could just pack a few extra things in the top. Am I telling the truth? She's I'm telling the truth right here. I got an amen from the front row and I don't think I'm going to be in trouble because I'm telling the truth. 
But when we're, when we're packing for trips, sometimes what happens is we take some extra stuff that we don't need. We just take a lot. I always overpack. I always think I'm going to need an extra set of clothes, pair of clothes, extra shirt, extra shorts, whatever it is. I always take too many things. That's, that's true of me. But I want you to remember this for these three weeks. And I encourage you to be with us all three weeks. I think it will be important for us as we determine this direction and this purpose that God's called us to for our future. You pack for where you're going, not for where you've been. You pack for where you're going, not for where you've been. If you think about every trip you've ever been on, you are not packing for where you were three Thursdays ago. You're packing things that you will need for the destination that's in front of you. And what unfortunately so many of us do, I'm about to drop that, what so many of us do unfortunately is that we pack all of these things from our past to try to carry with us into our future. This is the theme verse for us for all three weeks. It comes from the book of Philippians chapter 3. And it begins in verse 12 and it says this, not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I lay aside those things that are behind me. I forget what lies behind and I strain forward for what lies in front of me. And so you pack for where you're going, not for where you've been. And so today I want to look at the first thing that I think we bring with us into the future that God has called us to. And that first thing is regret. The first thing that I think we try to carry with us into our future from our past is regret. And here's how we're defining regret, just so we're all on the same page. To feel sad or disappointed over something that has happened or been done, especially a loss or missed opportunity. To feel sad or disappointed over something that's happened in the past, something that's been done in the past, especially a loss or a missed opportunity. I've heard a lot of people say, well, I don't have any regrets. My dad says this all the time. I don't live with regrets. And I'm so thankful for people like that, right? Because it just gives me somebody to be mad at all the time. Anybody just live with some regrets? And when you hear people say that, you're like, I don't understand if you're lying to me right now or how I've got to get that cheat code in life. But this idea that I don't have any regrets, well, that's admirable, but how do you do that? And is it really even something that we should strive to do? What does regret look like on a regular basis? Now, what I want you to know, and I think this is important right up front, is that there is a difference in regret and shame. We're going to talk a little bit more about shame in a few minutes. We're going to talk about it a little bit next week as well. But there is a difference in regret and shame. And so I asked, you know, some of our staff, and I asked online this week in a couple of different formats, like, describe for me some regrets or talk to me about what regret looks like. And here's a few examples that I was given. You dated one guy or one girl for longer than you thought you should have, and you regret it because you're convinced you might have missed Mr. or Mrs. Wright in the process. So you dated, you know, guy A or girl A, and you felt like, ah, I probably should get out of this relationship or this, you know, maybe this is not right. I know it's not right. And so by staying in the relationship after you felt like you should have gotten out, you're afraid that you missed, you regret staying in it because you're afraid you might have missed like Mr. or Miss Wright, who you should have spent the rest of your life with, but you may have missed them in the process because you were with the wrong person in that season. Here's another one that somebody, a friend asked you to invest in their new business venture and you just didn't feel right about it. 
but eventually it did work out. They made lots of money and you didn't and you regret it. Um, That was one that came up. Uh, Here's another one. You never went to college and you regret missing out on the experiences and the relationships and the education. You regret that perhaps that you never went to college. Here was another one. It was really funny that it went hand in hand. You went to college and you regret the debt is some that people have, have given to me. So you, you've got a lot of different things. I'm sure I've left out a bunch, but you get the idea here. There are some regrets. There's some opportunities that you've intentionally chosen intentionally feel like you missed out on in the process of pursuing something else. And so as you look back, as you think back on all the things that you've experienced, you regret some of those things thinking that maybe my life would be different than it is now if I would have made some different decisions back then. If I would have chosen door number two, if I wouldn't have chosen door number one, and so I regret so many of those things. If I could just go back in time, you know, if I could just time travel back. But if I think about all the time travel movies, and I don't know, I don't know, you know, if if there's a group of people that got together at some point and determined this is the narrative they were going to give us about time travel movies, but it doesn't matter what movie it is almost. Doesn't matter if it's Back to the Future, doesn't matter if it's a superhero movie, doesn't matter if it's a romantic comedy, and somewhere in the storyline there's time travel throughout. What we see in all of those movies is that if you go back and try to change one thing, it actually changes everything. Like if you just tried to go back and just, you know, just like break up with the guy quicker or, or choose the girl faster or you invested in the business or you laid all your money on who was going to win the World Series so you'd reap the benefits. Like once you changed one thing, it actually has this domino effect and everything begins to change in the future. Now these are just time travel fictional types of movies, but it is the reality that you can't actually go back there. You can't go back and you can't live with the regret of trying to change one of those decisions back there. So you have to determine, how do I handle the regret for decisions that I made in my past? I was asking our staff this week. I was asking our team. I said, hey, you know, talk to me about what you feel about regret. What does regret look like in your life? Here are some of the exact quotes that they gave me. Maybe you can identify with some of these. One person said, I don't struggle with regret because I believe that you can learn from everything that you've ever done. Again, very admirable. I believe a lot of that. Here's another one. Regret is about the pain of missed opportunities. Regret is about the pain of missed opportunities. Here was another one. I thought this was a great, a great thought. It was a little different than the way that I think about regret, but it, it opened up some new options in my head. It says regret is often lighthearted and just overthinking things. Like, oh, I, I shouldn't have said that. Or, oh, I wish I wouldn't have done that. That's the way that I regret. So even among our team, there were some differences in the way that they view regret. And so what I want to do is I want to just look at two different stories in scripture very, very quickly. I'm not going to read them from the Bible. I'll point you to the chapters that you can go to to read them for yourself. But I want to tell these two stories and I want to show the way that two individuals, they dealt with a decision that they each made. And they're both, the start of this story, even though they are introduced to us in previous chapters, the start of the story that I want to tell you is found in Luke chapter 22. So you can go there for yourself and you can read Luke 21 to set it up, Luke 22 to see both of these stories play out, and then Luke 23 to kind of see the fulfillment of some of the things that took place. And the two people that I want to tell you about, the first of them is Judas, right? Judas was the guy, he was one of the disciples he, he decides, hey, I'm the guy that keeps the money, and somebody's come to me with an offer I can't refuse. And so they offer him 30 pieces of silver to betray Jesus 
and they want to come with him at some point. They're going to arrest Jesus so that he can go and stand trial. And, And we walked through those events last week and leading up to Easter Sunday. And Judas made a conscious decision. He had before him his allegiance to Christ. This man that he had walked with for three years, he had seen the miracles, he had heard the teaching. I mean, he had watched these things take place, but he chose in that moment not to do what was right, but to do what was, what was easier. He could realize some money, he could realize some benefit, and so he made a choice. He made a decision to sell out a friend Maybe you've done that. I know I have unintentionally maybe and and even intentionally in other instances in my life where I chose like to do something that would personally benefit me if if maybe it it meant bad for somebody else. And and, and as I think back on some of those scenarios in my own life, I'm like, oh, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Looking back now, I should have valued the relationship. I should have valued the person over just the momentary gain of of whatever it was. And, And maybe you've experienced something like that. But Judas made a very intentional decision and he chose the money. To betray Jesus. And so he comes with the officials later. And Jesus says, do what you got to do. And Judas comes up and he said, hey, the one that I kiss, he's the one you should arrest. He comes up, he kisses Jesus. And they arrest Jesus that leads him to the cross. There was a betrayal there. And Judas had to live with the regret of the decision that he had made. Pause that story. There's another guy in Luke 22 by the name of Peter. Peter's a disciple. Peter's one of the 12. Peter's one of the closest followers of Jesus. I mean, when Jesus gets away with like the inner circle, it's, Peter's included in that inner circle. He's not just a part of the 12. He's kind of part of the three. We see him in so many of the various stories of the life and ministry of Jesus in the Gospels. And when he's at the Last Supper, and at kind of the ending moments of Jesus's life before his arrest, Jesus is talking about this betrayal that's to come. And Peter makes this really bold declaration. I will stand with you always, Jesus. Listen, even, even if I've got to fight for you, even unto death, I will stand with you no matter what. And Jesus says to him, he says, no, no, no listen, Peter, here's what's going to happen. Before the rooster crows three times, you're going to betray me. You're going to betray me three times. Peter says, no, Lord, there's no way I'm going to do that. You don't understand. That's not who I am. Well, if you know the story as it plays out, sure enough, Peter has the opportunity to proclaim that he is a follower of Jesus Christ, to, 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 to bear witness to those that are standing around, even as they come at him personally, say, yeah, I'm one of the followers. I'm one of the guys. I'm in the inner circle. Yes, I know Jesus. Yes, I'm a part of the, the group that follows him and is a part of his ministry. But three separate times, he makes an intentional decision to betray Jesus, not to stand with Jesus after he's been arrested. Now he's standing trial He's being beaten. Like there's, there's going to be all these things that take place. Peter makes an intentional decision three separate times to betray his friend, to deny he knows him, to deny his, his, his even existence in relationship with Jesus. Now pause the story. You got two guys who made similar decisions, not exactly the same. I recognize that. But when you really boil it down to what they decided to do, it was the same thing. Instead of standing up for Jesus, they shied away. Instead of making a decision to point their arrow in the direction to say, like, I'm in no matter what. I'm all in with you in relationship. They said, no, I'm going to go for personal gain or I'm going to protect against personal disaster. And so in both instances, they betrayed Jesus, obviously in some different ways. How did they respond to those decisions? 
If you follow the story of Judas, his decision and the regret that he carried from that decision ended his life. He wasn't able to move into the future that we know God would have for him because of how Jesus handled Peter and his betrayal, and he couldn't move forward. His decision, his regret, the way that he came about after that decision, it it ended his life. But for Peter, it changed his life. Because what happened is he came back to Jesus. When Jesus appeared, Peter had the opportunity to repent. Peter had the opportunity to have his life repurposed by Jesus Christ, and it changed him. And you just see a few weeks later on the day of Pentecost, with boldness, he stands to proclaim who Jesus is. He stands to declare that Jesus is the only way to get to God. In one instance, the regret ended life. In one instance, the regret changed life. So the question for all of us today is, what do you do with your regrets? There's a famous verse of scripture that's been misquoted. It's been used out of context, and that's not my intent today. So we're going to read it, and then I'm going to unpack it for just a second. Romans 8.28 says this, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, I recognize, again, that this verse has been misquoted and misused, and that's not my intent today. But obviously, the writer here, Paul, he's declaring this larger truth that God has called us, and he's working out that calling in our lives. And as he does, he can take all these things, good and bad, and he can work them together for good. Not necessarily your good or my good all the time, but for the good of those who love him. That means the greater good, the good that fulfills the story of God. So in this context that we're talking about today, even the things that we regret, I believe, can be used by God for his purposes if we're in pursuit of him. You know, maybe you've heard people say this, this phrase, you know, I, I just believe, you know, everything works out. Everything happens for a reason. And, and I, I do understand what people mean, I think, when they say those things. But I also believe that you and I have a decision on the front side of that everything happening for a reason. What are we trying to accomplish with the reasons, the decisions of our lives every day? It comes back to which way is your arrow pointed. We have a decision to make every single day. Scripture tells us to take up our cross daily, to choose every single day. It's not just praying a prayer one time and saying that's enough. It says, no, God, I'm going to bring my bag And I am in pursuit of you, but I'm going to choose every day what to include in this bag. And I'm going to choose every day to continue being in pursuit of you. I want to walk into the future and the destiny and the purpose that you have for me. Or I'm going to load this thing down with all of my regrets and all of my past and all of my pain. And I'm going to turn my arrow away from God. And I'm going to just choose to let this bog me down and weigh me down. And constantly make me feel like there's no way I can get to God, so there's no use in trying. And what scripture tells us is that God has already made the way for us to get to him. You and I, on our own, we could never get to God by ourselves. And so what we celebrated last week in the cross and the resurrection of Jesus is that God loved us so much that he initiated that love by sending Jesus to us. He spanned the gap. He crossed the chasm. And so what you and I have to do then is say, I'm not trying to get all the way to God. I'm just trying to turn my arrow to God and take one step at a time in his direction. 
and believe that every good thing and maybe every bad thing and the decisions that I make and the regrets that I have, that all of that can be used by God as I am in pursuit of him. I've quoted this verse so many different times from this stage. It's Proverbs chapter three, verse five and six. It's, a ver- it's two verses that my grandmother taught my dad and my dad taught me. And it's been quoted in my house so many different times over the course of my life. And I now talk about it with my own children. But it says this, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding and all of your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Regret will cause us to think that our paths are crooked, that we've had to take a bunch of detours. But putting together Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and putting together Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, says that as I trust in God and I lean not in my own understanding and what makes sense, but if I constantly stay in pursuit, if every single day I wake up and say, God, today I am in pursuit of you, and I wake up tomorrow and go, you know what, God, I, I missed it a little bit yesterday. I made some mistakes yesterday. I've got some regrets about yesterday, but my arrow is pointed to you and I'm gonna lay everything aside that doesn't help me be in pursuit of you. God, would you make my path straight? I'm gonna submit myself to you in every way that I possibly can. That's really the story of that Old Testament. You know, the children of Israel, they're constantly in this journey in pursuit of the plan that God has for them. And if you and I are taking a trip, we want to know the fastest way to get there. What's the quickest way from point A to point B? But we see so often in the Old Testament narrative that it's this like squirrely line. It's like they go here and then 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 they got to wait and then they're obedient and then they're disobedient. And we see all of these things. And yet time and time and time again, as they stay repentant before God, as they put their hope and trust in God, they always end up where they're supposed to be. Every single time. How does that happen? Because God is working out their paths as they stay in pursuit of him. And the prophet Isaiah talks about this. He's, he's actually prophesying. He's correcting the people. In chapter 42, he's correcting them. And in chapter 43, he's talking about their future. And this is what it says in Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Do you not see it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The prophet Isaiah is saying to God's people, he said, listen, even the things that don't make sense to you, even the leaning not in your own understanding idea, I can make streams in wasteland. I can help these things that seem like there's no way they could happen. I can make a way in the wilderness, a way in the desert. And God had already done that for the children of Israel. And so maybe your life feels like a bunch of wilderness sometimes. Maybe your life feels like a bunch of wasteland sometimes filled with wasted decisions and wasted moments and missed opportunities and sadness and disappointment about what could have been if I had just done things a little different. And every single day when we get up, we try to pick up the luggage and we try to pick up the baggage of all the regrets that we've made and all the things that we wish we would have done different. And we try to carry those things into our future. And I believe what God is saying to us today, what he's saying to us throughout this series is you pack for where you're going not for where you've been. You've got to unload this suitcase. You ever been on a trip to the airport and they put your suitcase up on that scale? Sometimes you don't even know it's a scale. It's just the big silver thing right beside where they check you in. Well, if you look, there's a little uh, electric dial right there and it tells you the weight of your bag. And over the years, airlines have gotten less and less generous about that. 
And so they begin to charge you for your bags and charge you for overage. And the, late, the last time that I flew that I had to adjust something, I got 50 pounds in that bag. And we were traveling for a great length of time and was going on a, a missions trip. And so I had a lot of stuff in that bag. And so I laid it up on the scale and the lady said to me, she said, Mr. Isaacs, I'm so sorry, your bag weighs more than the allotment. I said, what's the allotment? She said, 50 pounds. I said, how much does my bag weigh? She said, 62 pounds. I said, well, that's more than 50 I said, well, you know, what are my options? She said, you've got to unpack your bag. I said, right here in front of God and everybody? She said, right here in front of God and everybody. And so right there at the baggage counter in the Atlanta airport, I had to open my bag and determine what 12 pounds I was going to remove. Now, thankfully, I was traveling with some people and they had room in their bags and they only weighed like 40 pounds or 42 pounds. So I was able to take some of my stuff and put it in another bag. But if not, I would have had to leave some things at the airport to go to where I wanted to go. Or I could make the decision, nope, all this stuff is important to me and I'm just going to stay here. How many people do you know? How many people do I know that are stuck in the very place that could be the beginning of the next phase of their life. It's the place where they could take off. They could chase the future that God has for them. And all they've got to do is unpack some stuff from back there. They've just got to let go of some regret. They've just got to let go of some decisions and some sadness and some misopportunities. And instead of learning from them and moving on, they just keep their bag weighed down and weighed down. And they just keep adding day after day more regret and more regret and more regret. And when they do, they cannot chase their future because they're unwilling to let go of their past. You have a choice today. You and I have a choice of what we're going to do as we chase after God. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. That's a double negative. Every English teacher just started sweating. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I am not saying that you just do whatever you want to. My mom had a phrase, willy-nilly. You just do whatever you want to, willy-nilly, right? You just don't even think that there's any consequences. You just act like there's no big... No, no, no. You have to pay the consequences for the decisions that you make. There are times that you've actually got you've to account for what you've done, and you should. Here on earth, you absolutely should pay those consequences, but I want you to get this reality. Consequences are the necessary payment for past decisions. Consequences are the necessary payment for past decisions, but regret is the unnecessary repayment for past decisions. Day after day after day after day after day, we just constantly take on more regret and more regret and more regret and more regret, and we keep paying the price. How many future relationships have we missed out on because we've been regretting past relationships? How many future business deals have we missed out on because we regretted missing out on one back there? And it's made us scared and it's made us cautious. No, 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 listen, there are consequences. You're not ever going to make that money back. You might have missed out on something during those few days or those few weeks or those few months or maybe those few years back there. But we're going to learn the lessons and we're going to move from those and we're not going to keep repaying the price through regret. Now, I told you right up front, there is a difference in regret and shame. We're going to talk about shame a little bit next week, but I think it's important before you walk out of this place And for the next seven days, you kind of think about it and you make some decisions that you recognize one of the most important differences between regret and shame. 
I recognize that one of the great tactics of the enemy is that he tries to get shame on you. And he tries to get you to carry shame for the things that you've done back there. But here's what I want you to know. Here's the difference right here. Regret says I did something bad. Shame says I am something bad. There's a difference. We're going to unpack that a little more next week. But regret says, hey, I did something bad. I did something wrong. I wish I wouldn't have done it. I mean, way back there, I, I wish I wouldn't have made that decision. I wish I would have gotten out of that relationship. I, would have, I wish I would have gotten into that relationship. I wish I would have said yes, but I said no. I wish I would have said no, but I said yes. There are some regrets that maybe you have had about things you did back there. And regret says, hey, I did something bad. I'm going to learn from it. I'm going to move on. I'm going to unpack it from the suitcase, from the baggage of my life as I chase the future that God has destined for me. But shame is something heavier. Shame isn't I did something bad. Shame is trying to believe or allowing the enemy to make you believe that you are something bad. It becomes an identity. It becomes a heaviness that you carry with you every single day and every decision is filtered through shame. And that's not who God's called you to be. I believe with all of my heart that God has great things in store for you. That God has a purpose and a future for you. And what the prophet Isaiah told us is that we aren't going to dwell on the former things. The apostle Paul told us we're going to lay aside all those things in our past. And both of them in the New Testament and the Old Testament said we're going to look towards the things that are to come. We're going to trust God for the new things. We're going to let go of regret. We're going to unpack all the stuff that we need to unpack. Learn the lessons that need to be learned. Pay the consequences that need to be paid. But we're going to leave all that stuff back there. And we're going to turn our arrow towards Jesus Christ. And we're going to say, my future is bright. Not because I've never done anything back there that I, I don't regret. But I'm leaving it back there and I'm chasing after what is before. I'm chasing after what is ahead. I don't know what your future holds. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but the old song that I was taught as a child is that I know who holds tomorrow. I know who holds tomorrow. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to pray, but before we do, before I have you bow your head and close your eyes, except for the people driving home from spring break that we're jealous of. I'm going to ask you right now, just for a second, with your eyes wide open, to think. What are the biggest one or two regrets I have for my past? What are those things that I've allowed to define me? What are those things that I've tried to carry with me into every new season of my life from a previous season? What are the things that constantly keep me from turning my arrow back towards Jesus? What are those things that are just too heavy for you to carry? And it started out, it was kind of light, but as you've added to it, and as the days have gotten longer and the weeks have gotten longer, you don't know that you can stand up anymore. And it's getting heavy, and you're not sure that you can chase all that God may have for you because you don't believe you're worthy of it. You just hold on to your regrets. Today is a day of freedom. Today is a day of freedom. The Bible tells me that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The Spirit of the Lord is here today. 
And I believe that God can help you to unpack some things. And that this week when you walk into your job tomorrow or you work remotely and you log in on your computer or you get in that truck or you get in that car, you walk back into that school, when you show up at baseball practice or lacrosse practice or cheerleading practice or, or, or you're homeschooling your kids or you're making dinner, you're making, there's gonna be a lightness about your countenance as you've unpacked those things that have weighed you down for so long. And there's gonna be a joy that fills you that you haven't felt in so long. As you turn your arrow towards Jesus, for the first time ever, for the first time in a long time, or just renewed today to say, I'm packing for where I'm going and not for where I've been. Thanks again for listening. If today's message was an encouragement to you, we invite you to share it with your friends and family. Maybe subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It just helps us spread the word about what God's doing here at Generations Church. For more information about the church, visit us at g.church. Have a great day and God bless.